get out of your own way because it's the people that grow the business, gotcha. not you, right? And as soon as you can learn to step out of that business and on the ego side, gotcha. that's I think what a lot of new business owners have to do, that will grow. Hey, what's up, friends? I'm Vince Del Monte, father, husband, and the OG of online fitness marketing. For more than a decade, I've been committed to helping skinny guys pack on muscle. And after building multiple seven-figure online fitness businesses, I've achieved freedom and financial security through mentorship, hard work, and my passion for fitness. And I want to help you do the same. Recently, I've built the best mastermind coaching program that exists for fitness professionals by giving you the shortest no BS path to grow to six, seven, and even eight figures regardless of your starting level. My coaching was designed to give you the skills, systems, and support to become an industry mover and shaker and build the business and life of your dreams. Hey, welcome back to the Vince Del Monte podcast. We are here with my great friend, Todd Abrams, the CEO of Icon Meals. And today we're going to be digging into becoming a better man in your business, in your fitness, in your family, and many of the skills that he's acquired along the way from experiences, from lessons, from mistakes to pass along to you to build your greatest life, your best business, and a rewarding home life. Enjoy. So Todd, why don't we just dig in and I'd love to hear maybe a bit about your um, you know, upbringing in terms of your fitness, in terms of business, and then uh, I'd love to hear you know, how your company today is thriving and how you look like a badass, almost 50, you would never guess, and how you maintain such incredible shape to inspire everybody listening. Wow, I haven't uh, processed that yet, almost 50, wow, right? But um, yeah, it's great to have connected a few weeks back and again, fellow Canadian, right? So. It's funny how close we grew up um, in, in the same area and stuff. So my uh, background is a little bit different. I grew up in Canada, so not too far from here. My dad owns funeral homes and cemeteries. So totally different industry, right, than I'm in now. And um, early on, I just knew that, I don't know, I had a little bit different, I'll call it, um, never worked really for anyone. So from that standpoint, it was always, uh, I, I guess, a lot of different things we can probably get into, but talking about risk and different things. Yeah. Um, I'll just tell you a quick story. I know. Um, went up, went to school in Sudbury here in, in uh, Laurentian, and I just remember one of the first things was, hey, in Tottenham, there's not a whole lot of like big community or anything, so the Honda was the big thing, right? Mm -hmm. So Honda was the factory where everyone had to work and stuff, and like, oh, you had to get in there as the holy grail, and I came back um, between summers, and they're like, oh, you got to get this job at Honda, uh -huh. and I'm like, whatever. So I applied for Honda, got Honda, and I lasted there two weeks, and I wow. quit. And my dad was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. you screwed up everything, right? Your whole, like, your life, blah, blah, blah. And that was just, it's a realization for me where I talk about, I think that was one of the first epiphany. That's, that was where I was really started first with like personal development and different yeah. things. But it was just, it, I'm not wired that way, I feel. Uh -huh. Like I went, I remember Honda, you put on a white jumpsuit yeah. and you walk between yellow lines and you do four jobs a day, two hours on the hour, right? And yeah. after two weeks, it's like, I'm done. And what did I do? I quit and I went network marketing, right. 90 to 110 hours a week, knocking on doors with uh -huh. no base salary, no nothing. But again, that was sort of, for me, how I'm wired, right? And wow. looking at how do you adapt to risk, how do you do different things, and I've always been one to, to bet on me. Right, so. right. So that's so funny, I don't know if you know, but like, the big Honda plant was in Cambridge, Ontario, right by Guelph, and that was like the job, but you had to know somebody. Yeah, so I felt like I got, I'm getting left behind because I was working at a different assembly line making $13 an hour, and there I think you started at 16, and that yeah. was like where everybody tried yeah. to work. Yeah. And similar story, when I didn't get into teacher's college, my dad was like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. I missed my cutoff, I wasn't gonna get summers off, benefits, so very similar story. My, Just one more similarity, my 
Nono, my late Nono who passed away about a year ago, he owns the largest upground cemetery, mausoleum uh -huh. in Niagara yeah, Falls. Yeah, you me that, yeah. And, and that was an opportunity that my family said, hey, like this, this could be yours. Yeah. So, so I guess, where did the whole betting on yourself come from? Like, where, sure. was it nature, nurture? Was there just intuition you felt something? Yeah. I think it's different things. I think, sure, my dad's my dad has had his business for years, right? The, the funeral home, the, the cemetery, the um, crematorium now and stuff. And I think I learned a different lessons from there, but then also I started surrounding myself. So talking about who you, I don't know, in your network and different things, right? I learned like uh, early on, I had some friends that were in network marketing and it wasn't necessarily the network marketing. I, I did that for quite a while um, uh -huh. growing up, but it was the personal development. So I got in back way back with like the Jim Rohns, the Tony right. Robbins. I, I still Brian remember Tracy's. great. Yeah, yeah Brian Tracy, like Tracy listening Tinkler, yeah. to all that stuff in the car. Yep. And the more and more that I found that I worked on me, the more and more I knew I wasn't ever going to work for someone else. Uh -huh. And I think that's what triggered it, where uh, again, um, fast forward, if you want a couple years through college, I have a public relations and marketing degree, which again, nothing really that I'm working on. But from that standpoint, I came out of college. I, it's funny, I found the note the other day my dad had it, but I was supposed to be a driver. I was going to be just this delivery driver because I want to make some money. Yeah. Plan was to go be a ski bum in BC, right? For yeah. a couple of years and just chill. And uh, on that piece of paper, it said, hey, they called in and they said, hey, can you sell? And my dad's like, I don't know if you can sell. And the note was, hey, show up in a suit Monday morning, you're starting to sell. Well, that company was a young company owned by a Chinese billionaire. It was the first company, only company I've ever worked for, but it was basically like working for myself because it was me and one other 18, 19 year old guy. And that was a fast track in business where that blew up. That's why I actually got down to the States where I opened um, Toronto, Montreal, we opened Vancouver, and then we went down to Dallas looking for headquarters. And that's when, again, learned a lot of hard lessons. We'll yeah. talk about bad lessons, good lessons, whatever. But from that standpoint, right after that is when I started my own company mm. and uh, never looked back. Well, before we get to that, let's loop back to the risk security uh, framework. So how did you decide or navigate maybe some pressures or some outside influences? You know, your father's obviously always going to be an influential source of uh, input. So what's your advice to guys that are moving in a completely different direction, which would be considered not secure by society standards, which would be considered risky by, you know, today's standards? What's your advice? Because I coached a ton of guys who, yeah, could follow in their father's footsteps, successful businesses, who could stay a more stable route. What's your advice for people who are making those transitions into, you know, lanes that just don't have the playbooks? Yeah, I think it's key though what you do, right? How you coach and you mentor people. And that's key for me where I grew up and I still remember like I had different people that started coaching me and mentoring me from originally from personal development, but more from yeah. that network marketing side. And I always say if you got to believe in yourself, and I think one of the biggest things is because there's a lot of outside pressure, your your family, your friends, hey, this is never going to work. They're, they want you to follow their footsteps, yeah. right? Or the security side. Yeah. And they don't want to see you successful half the time. That's part of the truth. If you look in your circle, right? A lot of those right. people... It's like the, the crab in the bucket, yeah. okay? Again, you see the crab pulling up, but he's never gonna get out because all those other crabs in there are gonna pull him back down, right? Yeah. And that's how I had to get away from the friends that I had, because those were the friends that, hey, I love them. Even, like, I just came back for the first time in a long time, and I still see these guys. Mm. What do they do? They're sitting around drinking the other night, and that's just, it's not my circle, yeah, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. the same sort of scenario that, how it started. But from the risk side, you have to believe in yourself. And I always tell people, if you can't believe in yourself, you have to find someone that believes in you more than you believe in yourself. Mm. And that's what'll pull you along, right? right? Because they've had that experience. So I, I call that like sort of, it's, it's time collapsing, right? Yeah. And that's really looking at, so again, how can they put you on the path where you need to be 
and that's the part of encouragement and different things. Who did you have? Did you have a, a specific, like a hired mentor, or like uh, maybe like a father figure kind of mentor, yeah. or your dad? Like who, who mentored so you? So in the early days, I didn't really have a, a paid mentor or whatever, uh -huh. right? It was people that I'd fallen into in network marketing that, again, I was mesmerized originally by the big dollars yeah. they were doing and the sales volume and different too, things. Way. Correct. Three different uh, yeah. Amway, you saw, and another one I can't yeah. remember. The name. But again, even though I wouldn't say I necessarily failed at it, but it was a good, I call it, it was education for me, uh -huh. right? Yes, yes. And that was me not making a lot of money, but I'll call it investing in myself, even though I knew right. at that time I wasn't really investing in myself, right? But then going to some certain conventions and different things that I didn't really have the money for or the, or the $1,300 of the Brian Tracy tapes and stuff. Yeah. So You start seeing that you're different. Correct, 100%. And that's what, again, I think it happens to most people, they go one of two ways. It's either they're gonna give in to that outside pressure to conform to what's called, what I would call normalcy, uh -huh. or they're gonna take it like what they feel, that drive inside, uh -huh. and go f to the next step. Gotcha. So, so redefining risk, you know, what, how would you redefine it for somebody today? Like, maybe maybe your son asks you, hey dad, what, what do you think? I'm thinking of going this route, this route. How would you, this is actually a good question, Mine are a lot younger. Um, my little guy's, uh, well, same age as your, your yeah, little guy, sorry. but he's got a little ways before he yeah. starts asking me yeah. that. But maybe you're older. It's like, what kind of advice would you counsel your kids yeah. around? If they're like, I don't know if I want to go to school, Dad. Would that be a concern for you? Or is that like, so I'm of the, you know now, exactly. I'm of the opinion that it's like, I guess, not argumentative in, I won't say my household, but different. It's, I don't believe school is the path that I would put my kids on or anyone unless it is something that they need. Like, yeah. I'm talking lawyer, doctor, yeah. different things that have a specific skill set and area of expertise, yeah. right? If you're just going to school for going to school, I say don't go to school, right? And I won't get into my son's metrics, but I told you like yeah. he did something where I was gonna have him intern. He got into sales, he got into marketing, he got into online things, and he made more money than most people right now make in three months, right? right. He's going to school because he's playing hockey right now, that's, that's great. But again, I, I think from that standpoint, you have to look at and how I define risk. It's, it's not risk if I'm betting on myself. Uh -huh. And I think what we have to get dads and other men in society today is really to have the confidence ingrained in themselves that they are that leader, right? That they are way more than they truly believe they are and what society's held them down to bring them to that point of, I don't look at risk as because if I'm, I'm not a gambler, but if I was, I'm betting on myself. Right. So, so what you mean by that is that you're betting on yourself so that if something goes wrong, you're going to bet on yourself yeah. again to fix it. Yeah, so people always ask, hey, what do, what do you do, whatever I said. It's like my job description is basically whatever it takes. It's been that. I've been an entrepreneur since I've started, right? And it's whatever it takes to get it done. So I don't have like, and sure, has there been shortcomings where, hey, you're not going to have payroll, you're not going to, I look at those as you always have to look at solutions to a problem uh -huh. and not just dwell on the problem. Like way back for me, it was like, oh my gosh, like I still remember with Icon and I'm fast tracking, but like the first time I ever got sued, I was like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? Like, because right. I, I built the business by integrity and values mm -hmm. and stuff. And my lawyer's like, look, relax. You have to understand you're in a business and as you grow this industry, more and more people right. are going to want to sue you and to come after you and different yeah. things. But again, so I've had to change my, how I look at situations. I, I sit back, right? I don't react. It's almost like you're a hockey parent or your parent playing sports. You always have to sign this waiver. It says you can't react for the first 24 hours, okay? So if something happens, it's a bad call or something, they don't want you going after the ref or going after the coach, right? So it's me, how does this impact me in five minutes, in, in, in five days, in a week, right? Is it gonna really matter in a year and five years down the road? And then I have to look at the solution to that and find that solution to that problem. So, so let's talk about this emotions piece because, I mean, 
entrepreneurship, it's a roller coaster, right? I always say, if you don't like roller coasters, this is not the sport for you. So how do you manage some of these emotions, uh, whether it might be fear or scarcity or, you know, you want to hit the panic button. You know, you talk about suing. If someone wanted to sue me, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You know, maybe for somebody watching, somebody wants to drop out of their coaching program or somebody wants a refund or, you know, they're losing a ton of money on their ads. How do you start building this resilience muscle to manage the motions that are constantly being thrown at you? I think it's twofold. One, it's all people are different, right? So different people are going to react different ways if they never were in business in their life, right? It's just right. what you're, you're, how you're wired from day one. Two is then how you've built that muscle. It's just like working it in the gym, right? Or it's like working on, I don't know if you're stock trader, skills and stuff, right? right? And that goes back to personal development. So what are you taking in mm. to your mind? Because uh, I say, and we'll talk about like the physical dimension, but your mind is the most important thing. Yeah. It's, it's your attitude, right? So right. everything can happen to us, but it's how we react to that situation. Right. And like early on, I'd react right away, but it's now, it's almost like I have to take a breath, I have to sit back, I have to assess the situation. Uh-huh. And then I can react. But again, it doesn't happen that way. But again, it's as you build that personal right. development muscle and your emotional muscle, because it is a muscle, yeah. right? How you react, then that will come. So again, consistency of building, and I'll call it taking in different information, what you read. Um, it's also yeah. like, again, a big part of it, I'll say this to dads, a lot of dads say, oh, I don't have the money for a mentor or this. Okay, there's a lot of free content out there, right? right. YouTube's full of free content. You put a ton out, there's a yeah. bunch of other people. You can get access to anything you want, okay? So don't tell me like you can't get the content or you can't afford whatever. There's anything and everything that you can, and then when you do have that money, right, that mentor is gonna be key uh-huh. to help you in those situations. So, so let's dig into some of the skills, you know, soft skills, hard skills that have uh, served you over the years building different companies, you know, running, being the helmet icon meals. Like what, what skills uh, do you flex harder than any others? If muscles, if you will. Yeah, so I think there's a, a few different, right? One for me, and like we can talk about like what I call my core values or whatever down the road, but I, I say there's a, there's a couple different things. One is I have to work on me, right? Uh-huh. So that's been started early on, but I call that not just a mental thing, it has to be a physical thing, right? So I have to be at the best, like we talked about earlier, like, but for me, I'm going to train in the early morning, right? I get up three o'clock, three thirty, train. But again, that's because I have to have my time in to be the best version of me, so that I can show up for my wife, and show up for my kids, and show up for my employees on a daily basis. Yeah. I have my, my personal time also involves scripture, involves journaling for me, right? So my my values going back are sort of faith, family. Um, fitness and finance, okay? Mm-hmm. And then that's sort of everything that's been molded for, I'll call it how I look at my um, overall yeah. arcing piece. So so you, so you that's really crucial, having your values, right? I, I define a value as something that you prize highly and you practice daily. daily yeah. so, so let me ask you, you know, as business is starting to grow, you know, there's more pressures mounting, you've got more people uh, reporting to you and you're reporting to, et cetera. Um, how do you manage, you know, the a lot of guys will say oh man i'm in a season where i i, I just don't have time for the fitness or you know what i got to work a little longer with the family how do you maintain those negotiables uh, so non-negotiables during these seasons of like extra pressure so you have to have your non-negotiables right and when you make a non-negotiable it's not negotiable it's not like i i use a word i don't know if it's a real word i say you got to live an excuseless life okay uh-huh. And in life, as you know, everyone's either buying or selling. So yeah. either buying or selling your own damn excuses and everything else that's coming with you. I don't care if people say I'm not a salesperson. 
you're buying or selling excuses right. on a daily basis. So it's really going into priorities, okay? And I have a bunch of friends, I'll call it even family, that say, hey, I, I know I need to work out, but I don't have the, the time. It's the biggest excuse, and it's the biggest, I'll call it, procrastination skill, like, I don't know, not skill, but procrastination element in the world, right? right. You have to put priorities down, and you have to write your priorities down, and you have to write your non-negotiables down, yeah. and you have to stick to those, okay? But again, it goes into the personal development, it goes into the other people pouring into you, but the non-negotiables are what's going to build you as a person, yeah. and it's gonna build the foundation, and if you're, if you're, even for your family, right, it's gonna build what your kids see. Yeah. And I'll, I'll take that full circle, so my 22-year-old and my 18-year-old, I told you earlier, like, I don't regret anything in life, but in my early business, uh -huh. I was all about materialist, right? I had to make more money. I had to, right. And to me, making more money meant more spending more time. And I would still call it busy. And there's a difference between doing something and being busy, right? Yeah. Busy's filling your, your day up and you feel like you've done all this crap, but it's really at the end of the day you look and it's crap half the time, uh -huh. okay? And then there's the second piece about like outlining what I'll call it your deliverables are. And these are, can be for your family, for your business, for whatever. But I'm talking about Andy Fraselli talks about them, but it's powerless, right? Mm, yeah. And these are the things that are they on a daily basis? Are they getting you a return on investment? Are they moving your business, your life, your family, whatever it is, yeah. forward? Okay. And it's not writing a list and then there's 10 lists and you're checking them off and hey, you're smiling because you're done at the end of the day. Did they move the needle on? family, on value, on different business parts, right, on a daily basis. And you have to live by those. And then you, as an entrepreneur, as a dad, whatever, have to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. And that's one thing I see a lot of. These dads or business people say, hey, great, I have these pieces. But at the end of the day, they're not being the hardest employer on themselves. They're not being the boss, right? If you're screwing up, guess what? Would you fire that person? Well, you need to fire yourself, right? right? And that's, I think, the biggest thing that lacks because it's again, going back to they've accepted that excuse. No, they're gonna try again tomorrow, but it, you gotta get that, I'll try again tomorrow right. out of that equation. So add intentionality to your life. Yep. And um, what's been one of your biggest challenges, you know, maybe growing, you know, growing through these different seasons of entrepreneurship, scaling your businesses, raising a family. Uh, what, what, what challenges do you resonate with that uh, you found solutions for? Let's talk about the challenges and then the solutions. Yeah, I think in, in business, it goes back to, I. I'm not going to micromanage people, right? So I expect mm. people to grow, but I also have to put the pieces in place to enable them mm. to be able to grow into those positions. Oh. And that's a whole come full circle because like, I, I always want to believe that someone's going to do best, right? Yeah. But I've had to learn to sort of hire slow and fire fast, mm. okay? And that's one thing because once you have a person, and this doesn't necessarily, can't say, hey, I'm going to fire my kids or whatever, but in business, right? As you grow a business, that can be the biggest impetus to growing a business properly, right? Because once you have something that's gonna fester, I don't need drama. I have one thing, like, my life's drama free. Early on, like, there's so many people I see that wanna have drama, they talk about their different problems, and then it almost yeah, yeah. becomes like, hey, my problems are worse than your problems. Yeah, yeah. You gotta get that out of, like, your life, right? You gotta get that out of your family, you gotta get that out of business. That it's not a good competition to be in, because yeah. it's never ending, right? Misery loves company. Right. And there's so many people out there that just wanna, hey, ex pile excuses on top of excuses. Uh -huh. So, I think that's key for me, and that's hard, because I do wanna believe in people. But I've had to learn that skill. Maybe we can dig in there for a second because, you know, there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and a lot of my students who listen to the podcast here and they um, are in the process of hiring. Maybe maybe share a couple of your best practices. You know, you said hire, slow, fire, fast. But uh, what other um, disciplines, other rules have you set to just build a great team? I know a lot of people come to me and they say, oh, my team's all C players. And 
how do you develop B players, A players? And I, you know, I've got a couple insights here, but how do you start building that team that can free you up? I think you as a leader have to, and this is in your family as well, right? You have to have a vision, okay? And you have to cast that vision because if you can't cast that vision big enough, no one else can follow that vision, right? And then you have to lead by example to reiterate that vision and constantly be refining and evolving into that vision, okay? That vision can change, but you have to be constantly pushing them to, to have that piece out, right? A lot of people as well, and this is, I'll fall um, prey to this as well, early on where a lot of people say I have C or I have B or whatever, but they don't want to pay the price to hire A players, mm-hmm. okay? And they think, hey, I'm making less money. Look, get out of your own way because your business is only going to grow and it's it's by the people that you put in. It's the people that grow the business, gotcha. not you, right? And as soon as you can learn to step out of that business and on the ego side, gotcha. and that's, I think, what a lot of new business owners have to do, that will grow. Okay, and then again, it's the, one of the key things, and this is whether you have, I don't know, two people or you have 200 people, is what kind of culture do you want to have? Mm-hmm. And one of the best companies that I've seen ever build culture, and I've been in the trenches with them, is First Form. Mm-hmm. Okay? And Andy and Sal and Chris have built an amazing company based on right. that culture. Right. And I think that culture is key, like because culture breeds culture, so culture is going to grow your business. Right. And the people that don't fit in that culture, that culture is going to spit those people out pretty fast. Right. Yo, yo, 30-second announcement here. If you're a serious online fitness or nutrition coach or an aspiring trainer ready to go online, but you lack the strategies, the systems, and clarity, you're intimidated by what you need to do to get to the next level, and you want to enjoy more time off while making more money, while having a massive impact and bigger reach, give me two days in Las Vegas, baby, September 16th and 17th, and I'm going to show you how even our newbie students are crushing it to the tune of 10 20 and even $50,000 months. I know that might be hard to believe. Many of them are even going beyond six figures a month with our organic scaling systems. If you want more information, go to sevenfiguremastermind.ca forward slash Vegas. The clock is ticking and we're giving away a limited number of seats to sit in and test drive our event. And guess what? You get a pick your price. You tell us how much it's worth. Submit a fair offer. If we accept you're in. All you got to do is book your flight and hotel and we will see you there. And the lineup of speakers we have will pay for your expenses 10 times over. So check it out. The link's in the description and I can't wait to see you in Vegas, baby. So to talk a bit about like the type of things that you want to instill in a culture that um, is crucial. So the leader has a vision, right? Uh, what else has to be in place for you to attract great people, but sure. then keep them as well. What other? Yeah, I think it's, it, like for us, it's integrity, it's loyalty, it's trust, right? It's um, like, I'll call it empathy to a certain extent. And that you might say, hey, empathy for business. But yeah, I think you have to be empathetic to other individuals in there, right? right. It's caring. It's like we have a thing where it's client-centric. So clients are always first, right? Different yeah. things. And looking at like each person in that business almost fits into where it's their business inside a business. Yeah. And it's like, again, maybe this is, sounds crazy, but like how you do anything is how you do everything, right? One right. of my biggest pet peeves in the world is walking into a bathroom and seeing piss on the seat, toilet paper on the floor, or toilet paper rolls not mm. even back on. Because that tells me that those people, if it, that's in their environment, in their our culture, uh-huh. it's how they're gonna treat everything else, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, do I see things in my warehouse and someone, if I watch someone walk by and not pick up something on the floor, that tells me they don't give two craps about it, like sort of. So again, there's a lot of different little things, but again, it's how you do anything is gonna, like how you're gonna do everything. So that's great. Let's just circle back on the um, like what self-limiting beliefs that show up when people are making hires, 
and they're like, oh, I hired somebody else. It didn't work out. It cost me a ton of money, emotional trouble. Uh, it was frustrating. I don't, I'm just going to hang on to this. Yeah. How do you let go of that contraction mindset, that small thinking, the, the scarcity mindset? How do you start to just, you know what, I'm, let's go for yeah, it? You got to have an abundant prosperity mindset yeah. where I think there's like, there's lots of people, people right now say, oh, there's, I can't hire any people. Well, you're not hiring the right people. Right. right, and I think from that standpoint, again, it's a lot of people are scared on, hey, I have to spend this much money, or they're going to change the culture, or something different. But again, it's what training protocols, what do you have to put in? And I think, like again, you always have to. I try to start with like, I'll call it a not a test period, but if you want to say like a ninety day or a sixty right. day, right, to see how that is, because we're we're both interviewing both. There might right. not be a good fit, right? And again, you want to have that. That period, but I wouldn't hang on. Like my biggest thing for a long time was hanging on, believing that mm -hmm. they're going to change, right? Gotcha. And they're not going to change. And that fear of like settling, like ah, but there's going to be a transition period because I've even experienced this. Like I gotta, you know, I gotta let this guy go, uh, but it's going to set us yeah. back two months. How do you just like move forward with like you know what? This has to happen. How do you become more uh, decisive? I call it making a business stop loss. Okay. So it's like trading stocks, right? Okay. And every time like. Right now, the market's all crap. So people are like, oh, I'm going to sell my portfolio. But if you're a trader, right, you got to have a hard stop. And people say, oh, I'm going to only use the mental stop. Well, when you use the mental stop, you have that, that, that your judgment, right? If you have a hard stop, it's going to be stopped and it's going to cut your loss, okay? And how do the most successful traders make the most money? Because they have tons of losses. So you can have a 50% win rate as a trader or even a 40% win rate and still be a very successful trader making money because you've had tight stops. So if you're, if you're cutting those losses and you're cutting it at, 1% or 2% or a max, maybe portfolio loss of 2% of your whole portfolio, but then you have a couple wins that are 10%, 20%, 30%, you're letting your winners right. run. It's the same with the people. You have to let your winners run. You have to enable them in the right environment and putting the right tools and different things in place, how you build the business to allow them to be successful and then have a hard stop, not a mental stop because a mental stop is what we just talked about. It's emotional right. stop loss, right? Oh, and if you don't have an emotional stop loss and you've taken that piece out of there, yeah. those are the boundaries of what you set that it's a hard stop cut. So you're talking about having a job scorecard, having KPI, standards of performance, just clear metrics yeah. that, hey man, we've missed this target three months in a row at this time. I'll give you an example right now. So we have an, a big issue and I'll call it entitlement, right? With a bunch of influencers and athletes and stuff that we have mm -hmm. and certain person running the program and stuff right now. And it, it, we, we finally got a, a guy in there that's a data analytics scientist guy. Right. Data doesn't lie. Numbers right. don't lie, right? So now I have scorecards of XYZ influencer, and we paid them, say, in food and stuff, I don't know, 40 grand a year. Yeah. And they come back, and he's like, oh, what are you doing? Like, cut my, my spend and my dollars and how much commission I make. Here's your scorecard. You tell me, okay, mm -hmm. if you own this business, are you a good decision for us, right? right? Would you keep yourself? And yeah. they're like, crap, in three years I've sold... $13,000, but you paid me $38,000 in food right. a year. Mm. Is it a good decision? And right. then you, you have data, right? Yeah. And that's the same thing that you have to have. It has to be non-emotional. Yeah, that's great. Where, where uh, <laughs> maybe share a lesson. Like that's one of the hardest things for entrepreneurs in my space who are doing coaching businesses, service-based business, the scale, you need data, right? You can't spend yeah. money on ads if you don't know yeah. lifetime value, if you don't know your numbers. So you get caught up in drama. Oh, that didn't work. But you might have actually been positive ROI a month two, month three, but you stopped running the ads too soon. So you never actually got to that. So maybe um, share where you've had to like dig in and get data to maybe take your business to the next level where it became super valuable. I think the first thing is like a lot of things, it's your specialty and stuff is more like Facebook ads and different things, right? Where a lot of people come to us in the food industry before and they're like, hey, ROAS, ROAS, ROAS. And I'm like, you can take your ROAS and shove it up your end because I don't care how many hundreds of thousand percent it is, it's did it get me an ROI. Right. 
right. because we run the business on cash. Uh -huh. So again, there's not necessarily the same margin. So it's not just necessarily spend, spend, spend. It has to make sense, right? right, right. But if you don't have the data and the concrete evidence, then our ROAS looks good and they can smile all day and tell you right. you got X. But at the end of the day, I'm like, shit, why did I lose this money? It's because I'm not getting an ROI because the metrics don't necessarily work, right? Yeah. You can play a game for so long on LTV, but you can also trick yourself a lot of time. What, what, so data for me is like, I get start to get like intimidated. It's it's something that I just never consider my strength. What what uh, parts in the business have you had to like, man, I gotta freaking learn this. Yeah. It's like, we're like, this is out of my comfort zone, but I need I'll to learn you. this in order Huge for us to, right you know. Now. So for me, I've, again, stayed out of the kitchen a lot of the time, right? Like, because I've had a partner that runs that, run all the other aspects of the business. But again, you've got f a few major parts without getting into dynamics, right? But like food costs, labor, packaging, oh. shipping, those are your four main cogs, right? Yeah. And again, changing a number that running a kitchen a certain way and not necessarily like a huge food production plant is yeah. a big, huge difference. So I'm talking me finally getting back in there and digging in a cost savings of like 10 to 18%. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, okay? Wow. Because data doesn't lie. But until right. we brought it in an in individual, okay? And then getting back into labor and stuff. But again, me hiring a person that I didn't want to pay a salary to and bringing that person in is my hard stop loss. Because when they come in and they give me the data, I can't argue right. anything else, right? And either can anyone else. So it's that, that we're gonna make cuts and judgments based on that analytical data. Hmm. That's really, really helpful. Yeah, I think some people are afraid to get that outside opinion to say, hey, you can't do this, you have to do this, etc." And then I also heard you say, it's okay to actually get in the weeds at some times in the business and make sure things are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I think some CEOs, maybe speak to this, um, they think they're bigger than they actually are. And I'm guilty of this. Like adding too much complexity to a really simple this shouldn't right. be this complex it's like no just get in there and show them how to do it you shouldn't be up in the clouds you haven't earned a spot in the clouds yet you should yeah. how do you kind of know like when to you know that balance of staying in the weeds and mic not micromanaging to like a healthy extent where yeah. things have to get done to your expectations or else it's not going to get done versus kind of stepping out you I know think, what i'm saying yeah i think I it goes into two different things because like when you're working in the business, you're not working on the business, right? right? So you have to, as a leader, always have a certain amount of time allocated to working on the business because right. you're stuck in the weeds. Got it. So I think you have to have people to get you out of the weeds. You have to have the gardeners because, and it's also for me, like I have shiny object syndrome half the time, right? I want to chase the newest. And, but again, I have to refocus and that goes back to my priorities. What are my priorities and what are my, those things that are moving the business forward um, on a daily basis? So I think from having data and having people that, again, we're not micromanaging, it allows us to to take that step and keep the needle. But again, you have to have those people. Right, that's great. Let's shift a bit to um, just some, we talked about some great skills to be successful in business. Uh, skills that dads need yeah. these days to stay in great shape and to be able to lead their families. Yeah. What, what do you see missing that yeah. you really like I, to? I'm pretty passionate on this because I, I think like a couple years ago, I saw a commercial or I saw a study came out and said, hey, Planet Fitness gives free pizza and beer to, to dads on Friday night and it's redividing the fat dad bod. And that's the biggest crack of shit to me in my yeah. life, right? Because if you're a dad, I, I say like, so, I have a passion project to say dad bod and yeah. I think it's like I say it's responsibility of being a dad. It's a damn responsibility. Right. I don't want to see like I don't want my kids be, having me being the fat guy. Okay. Right. It's not just because it's a presentation of hey it's accepted in today's society. Bullshit. You're lazy. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're accepting your own excuses. It's everything I talked about in business right, right. and you're not getting off your ass to do the things you need to do to show up for your family. Right. And uh, again people say oh hey that's harsh. Harsh whatever. Okay. But again 
don't you want to be your best in every area of life? Yeah. And your kids are going to model it. So I'll give you an example. My 22-year-old, my 18-year-old have seen me constantly working out. They've seen me change, right? But my six-year-old, he saw me when I'm already in decent shape, but he saw my work ethic. Mm -hmm. And my six-year-old wants to come in and hit the heavy bag. I never told him, hey, because we never had our kids do karate. He's been in karate. He just keeps going. He's got his blue belt. He's six years old, right? But again, he plays these sports. He does different things, but it's his work ethic. Right. And then it's also him seeing, it's funny because the communication skills. So we go to church. He's the guy sitting around with the book leading all the other people, right? Uh -huh. at, at day school, they, again, they tell us a lot of different stories, but he's always the one interacting and bringing people together. But those are skills that have come from watching, watching right? Yeah, and again, if my kid sees me sitting around, and let's say we always want to tell our kids, hey, you got to eat healthy, you can't have McDonald's. But then if they see me shoving my pie hole right. full of pizza, full yeah. of McDonald's when I'm not taking them, I'm the biggest, like, yeah. it's crazy, right, from, from that angle. so It, it, it is um, the kids um, do what they see, not what they hear. Correct. So she's setting the standard higher in the family. And then what about, uh, you know, speak to the, to the weekends. I think a lot of guys, like, it's Friday night, it's been a long week, it's like, I think a lot of guys lose everything from Friday to Sunday. So I have a thing that says, like, all anything I do, it's any day that ends in Y. Okay? So you got Monday to Sunday, they all end in Y. Yeah. Weekend's an excuse. Okay? Because you should be living your life and setting the standard across all seven days. Yeah. Right? It's not a weekend. So weekend is an excuse. Hey, I've worked hard till Friday, so I get two days off. Well, look, you can reward yourself, but the weekend's not an excuse to go drink beer, get drunk, eat whatever you want. Okay? Yeah. You need to know what works for you, and then you build, like, I call it arrows in the quiver. So you have this quiver full of different tools, yeah. and if you're wanting to lose weight, if you're wanting to gain weight, if you're wanting to, I don't know, be better in a certain area for your kids, right? right. You have all these different tools in your arsenal. Yeah. Like so maybe that. that's like fat loss, it's weight, that maybe it's personal development, right? right? Maybe it's your faith isn't where you need it to be. Yeah. Again, but use those tools in your quiver. And I think you're even saying, if, if I'm not mistaken, but like one tool might be, you know, follow the 90-10 rule where, yeah, you are on point 90% of the time, but because you've achieved this level of leanness over a period of time, you can now factor in, you know, one or two treat meals, cheat meals, whatever. Per yeah, I think you incorporate that learn. into your like family, right? So we would go out, let's say, I don't know, to Cheesecake Factory on Friday night or you go right. after church on Sunday, right? You reward yourself. But again, it's not like a shoving in your face full all day. I'm not a big believer in the, the cheat day yeah. because the cheat day turns into a cheat. Then yeah, you got to recover from yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, right? So again, I used to always give myself a two-hour window and I'd eat whatever I want in that two-hour window. But let's say instead of doing it at night, I went with my family on Sunday during the day. Right. I'm still going to go back to what I'm supposed to eat at night yeah. and finish off what I'm supposed to eat. So that's, again, going back to, though, accepting yeah. your excuses or, like, being hard on yourself, right? Holding yourself accountable for what your longer term is on, on that non-negotiable. I, I like that. And maybe maybe we can, um, you know, speak to something I heard my brother ask in the gym the other day. He was like, holy crap, you're shredded. You always look like this. And, and he said something. He said, what do you do? What do you do? How did you do this? Did you do that? And uh, you said something to the effect you got to figure out what works for you. 100%. And I used to always think that was a bit of a like uh, almost a cop out answer. It's like, well, there's got to be certain protocols, but you've you've tested so much stuff. So maybe speak to the value of like getting in the game, learning and like saying, I know what I need to do to get lean. I know if I start doing this, I'm going to go off track. Speak to uh, the I power think... of testing and learning yourself. I think a lot of people, not just dads, but people in general, don't want to 
hear what they don't want to hear, right? So someone says, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. But then also our, our world right now is overrun with social media stuff with all these gurus, right? Too, too much, too, too much yeah. information, yeah, but yeah. it's also too many gurus, right? Hey, this diet, that diet, keto, yeah. paleo, this, that, you got to eat this, you got to do that, you got to take this. And it's, what's the shortcuts? Well, it, it's not like that. You got to follow someone and find someone, that one person, right? right? And then you stick with that. But again, going back to like what I always talk about, you got to find out, if we're talking about health, what's going on under the hood. Yeah. And when I say under the hood, I mean, have you got a full blood panel? Have you got labs done, okay, to understand? Because you could be eating what you think is healthy, yeah. but you might be allergic to it, or your thyroid might react to, to it differently, or you might have an, a different gene that you don't know about. So in this panel, you're going to get information that you don't want to necessarily have. Right. But I look at it as a preventative, and then I can proactively put pieces in place rather than reactively. And our society's been bombarded with reactive, right? Put medicine into something else where, again, I think you gotta build that foundation. Right. So really learning that what works for you. And for me, over time, like I said, I didn't really know what worked for me until I was 35 years old. Mm -hmm. When I started getting full blood panels done, started understanding what I could do for me, how I put my carbs, how my insulin sensitivity is around. Right, right. And then it's through trial and error, but you're working on you, right? And for me, it's always a goal to be, that I said before, better is perfect, right? Like that, right. Working on, okay, wow, I can change this. I know for me, I need to be eat a certain amount of protein to lean out, right? And I pull my carbs back, they go around my um, my workout or they go to backload before I go right. to bed because I train so early at three o'clock. Mm -hmm. But again, someone that might not work for them, right? Again, looking at different pieces because you're all uniquely wired differently right. and it's not one diet fits all or one training program fits all. So you have to engage in the training process. You have to actually listen to what your body's saying. You can't just be having a one-way conversation with a with a with a guru expert textbook etc there has to be what's actually happening and i just think that's something that actually it sounds obvious but but i don't think it's obvious because i'll give you an example so i'm not going to mention who but i was this was yesterday and someone said hey I'm, i need it's one of these programs out there right uh -huh. it's a 1200 calorie program uh -huh. and i started looking at it i'm like okay well why haven't you the first couple of weeks you lost weight but then why haven't you lost weight and i said just write down what you've eaten all day so they write down i'm like holy crap well this snack is yeah. not on, okay? This thing where they say, hey, it's an additional protein. Well, what did that protein involve? How many calories, right, it's in there, okay? They show me this bar that they're supposed to eat, but then the bar is 30 grams of fat when their total daily allotment under this 1,200 calories is 55. So there's different yeah. pieces, right, that don't necessarily fit, but they don't look at it as any different because someone told them that this is a 1,200-calorie plan, right. but then I guarantee there's 400, 500 more calories right. through these different snack pieces and choices that... But again, they're using that as it's okay because I was told right. that this is the program that I should follow. Gotcha. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you're going back to data, right? Ver you know, maybe trust, but verify. Maybe get a MyFitnessPal app and put it in there and actually look at what you're consuming. Whoa. And you're probably overeating if uh, you're not losing weight. So, I say one of the key things for men, and this specifically goes to men, I find that most of the men that I talk to, overestimate the amount of protein they're taking in because they're not taking right. enough protein. Right. So someone's like, oh, hey, I'm taking in 225 calorie, yeah. grams of protein today. So when we get back to it, they're taking 112 grams. Right. I'm like, you're never going to get lean. But they're like, what's the best muscle gainer? I'm right. like, look, let's go back and look right. at your foundation of what yeah, you're taking absolutely. in first. So the sim Yeah, the simple stuff, the non-sexy stuff. That's really good. And um, the last thing I wanted to chat with you about was, um, you know, you're a people person. And I know you mentioned... That's been a huge part of your success, relationships, providing value, over-delivering. 
and um, you know, speaking to the entrepreneurs out there, you know, what does that practically look like? I know you've shared so many like incredible uh, individuals with me and introduced me to people. Now we're moving to Tennessee. You've been helping me start build my network there. Hey, you're going to meet this guy. I'm going to connect you with this guy. And I'm like, holy crap, Todd, thank you so much. Like, you really go out of your way to connect with people and provide value. Uh, in that way, did that come from someone showing you or like talked a bit about like, I just, this is something people talk about, but people just don't get it until they actually start doing it. I think one of the key things is stepping inside your comfort zone. So for me, I wasn't the person that I wasn't like real step into my comfort zone, talking to people, talking on stage, doing different things, right? Making introductions. So it's again, you have to push yourself inside the comfort zone. That goes back to, I'll call it early on in network marketing, going up and introducing yourself, things like right. that. But it's also for me, I've done for years now, I'll call it a challenge, like a, a yearly. It's not like I, one of my uh, resolution or anything, but it's a challenge where I need to, in my life and what has been written down, introduce myself, get into three new people that are higher, I'll call oh, really? it circles and things for me, on a oh, cool. monthly basis, like, and I try to do that weekly, three, three okay? On a basis. Yeah, and I try to do that more than weekly, oh, but then it's also seeing like the, I'll call it, what, who I call the go to the connectors, like he's Dan Fleischman, right? Just yeah. seeing the amount of value and the amount of connection in different things that he makes. Uh -huh. And I believe truly, like when people say, hey, your, your network is your net worth, I, I truly believe it is. But you yeah. gotta go back and just provide so much value, never expecting anything back. Right. And again, I think as you grow in, hey, what can I provide you? Like, that's all that, in, in most of my emails, it's like, hey, if I, is there anything else additionally I can do in the meantime for you, let me know. I want to be able to provide. I want to be able right. to connect. And I think that you have to make an intentional, as you talked about, yeah. decision, okay? And I think that's with a lot of dads as well. A lot of dads, like, if you made an intentional decision to connect with other, I'll call it dads and people, even in that school or in that sports team or whatever, right? Yeah. And take in different things and don't just be so closed off because your way is not always the right way. Mm. And I think it's looking at like, I always love people watching. I want to know, hey, what they want to do. But again, it becomes a lot easier conversational piece. And again, intentionality. So if we go to a, a dinner party, we go somewhere here, introduce yourself, right? right. I think that is, a, it's it's key to become a, a good connector. It's a, a, a skill, but it's also, again, going back to what I talked about, tool in the in the belt, right? I like it. Of having that to uh, to leverage and to grow in, in that area. That's great. I was, um, maybe just to wrap up one more of a personal note, I was uh, checking out your Instagram recently and uh, you, you really um, honor your wife. You really elevate your wife and your relationship and it's really, really admiring. And uh, I know you've been married much longer than I have. So uh, a lot of, I see a lot of guys, you probably know a lot of guys uh, that I'm thinking about right now who've you know, made it, if you will, in business, sold massive companies, and it looks like they've got the yeah. you know, picture perfect life, but we know, some, we know what's going on behind yeah. the scenes. Maybe you just obviously, maybe from, you know, from a humble standpoint, you know, experiential standpoint, I'm always cautious to give like any form of like marriage or parenting nice. advice, right? Because you put yourself out there like what yeah. if something happens to your marriage? But also it's a great form of accountability by sharing what maybe maybe speaking to some younger guys listening who've got young families, just some things that have served you, some wisdom that you've sure. learned over the years to, to make sure the main thing stays the main thing. Yeah, I think for me it's at the end of the day money and all that stuff. You can't take it with you, right? right? So you can build, but I told you earlier on, it was about materialistic pieces and this and that, and hey, you got to buy your wife and your girlfriend, whatever this. It, it's not about that. It's about creating experiences and creating memories. And whoever your significant other is, like so for my wife, we've been married 24 years, together 26, 27 years. And it's, again, 
putting that, I'll call it my queen, on a pedestal yeah. because she is like the rock. She is what is the central nucleus of what keeps us together. Uh -huh. But it's also being best friends and it's about communication. I think so yeah. many guys, as they're building their business, they use this excuse as they hold everything inside. But you have to communicate, right? You have to learn it's a mm -hmm. sounding board and it's two ways. Mm -hmm. And you have to also look at like being able to serve other people. So it's that servant mentality. Like, how can I serve you? How can I show up better? Right. And I think a lot of guys especially oh I'm, I'm so busy i have too many things going on and they don't show up in the best light right. and then it comes out as a frustration and it's put upon your significant other mm -hmm. and i think that that's key it's also you have to learn like it took me a long time to learn though to take those we'll call it vacations or times away even if you don't have the time you make a staycation right you make right. your queen feel important you make your significant other feel important and it's not just like hey it's not gifts 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 it's about those experiences and memories that you need to create yeah. and that overall environment because that's what she or he's going to remember right it's not the money at the end of the yeah, day exactly. it's not all this crap i remember your, your ski trip this past winter you guys were in colorado yeah. that looked epic yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. and i was messaging yeah you got to tell me where that location was because yeah that's what it's all about i'm like oh man so okay so he's he's got the successful business and, and a great family but like is he experiencing life and i think that's something that we can easily miss like holy yeah. geez i haven't had a vacation in in two years yeah i think that's so fast i think one of the biggest things as well and i just touch on this but it goes back to my faith as well right right if i didn't have my faith and i didn't have sort of that element in my life i would, don't think i'd be as stable in other areas mm -hmm. and that's really what has helped balance me and we share that myself and my wife like my wife's very big into mission trips and um, again, that servant leadership mentality. And again, that's been a common bond for us where, again, I'll call it biblical passages, scripture, different pieces of, of yeah. building our faith together that has bonded us in other areas. That's amazing. And that's another similarity we have. Uh, we have the same maker. We give credit to the same maker for uh, everything that we have. So yep. Todd, thanks so much for this incredible time together, this great interview, all these insights and wisdom. Uh, where can people learn about... Uh, Icon Meals or whatever sure. adventures you're up to these days. Yeah, so Icon Meals is uh, iconmeals.com or on any social media platform at Icon Meals. If you guys like food, you like I'll call it food porn, different things, you go there. We give a lot of uh, free stuff away. And then um, for me personally, it's at, uh, at Todd Abrams, so on any social media platform. You can also check out uh, dadbodinc.com if uh, you're an up-and-coming dad or you're a grandfather or whatever, try to do some different uh, content and have some uh, new stuff launching soon there as well. Awesome. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening. And if you guys some value from this episode, this is uh, your opportunity now to pay it forward and share it with uh, the people in your network, people that we don't know, people who trust your recommendations. So please share this episode. Text it to somebody. Share it on your social stories. We'd appreciate that. Tag me. Tag Todd. And we'll maybe even reshare it out to the world so more people can get inspired to become better. And I love that line you said, better is perfect. That's such a great line. All right, guys. Talk soon. Ciao, ciao. Yo, yo, thank you so much for listening. I hope you got a ton of value. And as a token of my appreciation for enjoying the show, if you don't mind leaving a five-star rating as well as a genuine review, whether it's a sentence or a paragraph, that's up to you. I would like to extend my gratitude by sending you a free sample of my all-day energy formula, Preload. It is the world's only all-day energy and focus formula, and you will love it. All you got to do is head on over to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, take a screenshot, and then send it over to me on my Instagram account at Vince Del Monte with your home address, and we will get that shipped out. You are amazing. Thank you, and we'll see you in the next episode.